Welcome, Guardians. It's November 17th, 2015, and you're listening to Ghost Stories, a Destiny podcast. This is episode seven, and uh, this week we're going we're gonna to skip the third class in our class episodes, the, uh, the Warlocks. So, uh, yeah, I don't know who typed that, but I'm not going to read that because I don't want to get a whole bunch of hate mail about Warlocks, but uh, <laughs> we are, <laughs> we are going to, we are going to skip, skip Warlocks this week, but we will be back with Warlocks very soon. We're trying to, trying to see if we can uh, get somebody, uh, uh, maybe a special Warlock to come join us. Um, but, uh, but we are going to be talking about a Warlock this week. This week, we're going to be talking about uh Osiris um, and uh, the divine radiance of, of one of our very popular characters in, in Destiny and the lore. Uh, this week, uh, I've got uh, Handsome Dragon. How's it going? Hey, did you uh, did you play any trials this weekend? I, I did. I've done one ticket so far. Um, still working on the flawless run. I'll get my brother on tonight, and we'll probably play a few nice. rounds. Awesome. So. <laughs> uh, and we've got Drop Slash. How's it going? Good, good. What have you been up to? Uh, not too much. Again, finishing up my move, uh, mostly completely set up. So that's that's pretty nice. Uh, and just focusing on work. I ran two trials tickets. I'm waiting to run my third with my clan. So I'm looking forward to that. We didn't we didn't do so hot last time, uh, but once we had completed the bounties, the other two guys on my team just decided they were sick of competing fiercely <laughs> yeah and decided that the best strategy is to every single round rush people with shotguns <laughs> yeah the, the new uh the new matchmaking is uh is definitely making the the higher uh matches a lot more difficult i've noticed um so you know it, it's working it's working what they what they planned but the but the bounties are so awesome you know because anybody can get in there and pretty much complete them all and still get a chance at some pretty good loot so that's great it's funny my uh, uh, and then oh, oh go ahead no no go ahead. my highest light level character is my hunter but i just had spectacular playing on my warlock this week for some reason nice master class <laughs> <laughs> uh oh, here we go. Uh, and then from uh, Crucible Radio, we have Swain Stash with us today. How's it going? Hi. It's doing alright. Yeah. Uh, it's nice to be here with you guys. Yeah, glad to have you. Yeah, yeah. We figured uh, we'd uh, try to get some more uh, some more guests. We had a great time with Bell last week, and uh, and thought somebody from Crucible Radio might have a good time learning about and talking about some of the lore behind the, the trials of Osiris and, and the main guy there, Osiris. So, uh, so hopefully we'll have a good time. And, and anybody who's tuning into us, uh, from as a, as a crucible radio fan, thanks for, for joining us too, that it's, it's great. Um, and, uh, and we're, we're really happy to have Swain on with us. So yeah, there's, there's definitely a, a group of people that listen to us that want to hear us talk about, uh, PVE and talk about the lore. Uh, but you know, it's, it's not a PVE radio, so. <laughs> right? Well, and there, there's quite a bit of uh, lore in Crucible, you know, maps and just the what goes on with the Crucible in general, Iron Banner. So there's tons of stuff there. I'm sure we'll cover it all. Oh, I love it! I love it all. Yeah, we're having we're having a good time. It takes, I mean, it takes a lot to to pull together this lore information uh i mean there's a lot of good resources out there but you still need to you know it still takes a lot to to do your own kind of research and and find out what's happening and you know i'm sure alongside planning and and doing things for for the the pvp side of things it'd be 
be tough, but, uh, hopefully, hopefully, <laughs> I mean, really it's, it's like, I'm, I'm seeing how much time we're dedicating to, to putting together this podcast and planning things. And so I can't imagine on the scale you guys are on, you know, what kind of times invested and in, in things that happen. And it's tough to, to do everything all your fans want to hear, I'm sure. Um, so, so, uh, but you guys do a great yeah, job. We, Love your show. Oh, thanks. Uh, we, we, we were, <laughs> we recorded a peeve episode, uh, we're calling it. And uh, it, we recorded a lo- like maybe like a week or so ago, and we're just having the hardest time trying to get it out right now because it's like it does it's not the priority along our lines. It's mm-hmm. like all right, well we recorded it. Um, <laughs> we either record or, we either you know edit this week's episode or we you know delay it to so that we put out the PV episode. So it's like let's eh, just put out this week's episode <laughs> especially like last week we, were, we had the the bungee episode so yeah it was a big one yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> all right well let's uh let's get started let's move along here and uh let's start with our question of the week uh this week uh, the question came from reddit from a user named riot and uh, he said hello is there anyone who could take lord shacks in a fight short of osiris and same 14 i can't even think of anyone who could hang with him uh so i think that uh the drop actually got that question and and uh, responded so what uh, what'd you tell him well we talked about this in the titan episode and sort of just how much of a badass shacks is uh but yeah, uh, Riot called it here. I mean, there's Osiris and Saint-14. I mean, even Saint-14 is kind of questionable. Uh, I definitely don't think Shaq could take Osiris, but at this point, we're not even quite sure if Osiris is even available for that matchup. Uh, when <laughs> I sent the reply, I also threw Toland in there, uh, just because Toland now has ascended so far beyond what an actual Guardian is. You know, he's just, would be like throwing darkness lightning from the <laughs> nether realms or something uh but also just teleporting you it's interesting here because as i was writing this reply it reminded me of and i think we also mentioned this uh last week or the week before we talked about drug junior a little bit and thalor so thalor was a sunbreaker titan we think uh who was undefeated in the crucible until drug junior came along with thorn uh so it seemed like it was a pretty fierce competition happening there, but Shaq's never got involved in that. Uh, and I also mentioned that possibly Lord Saladin. Uh, we know that Lord Saladin sort of trained both Zavala and Shaxx, so there could be sort of like those, the secret technique that I never taught you type deal with Saladin. Uh, but <laughs> man, a, a fight between Saladin and Shaxx would be ridiculous. That would be epic. <laughs> Imagine the tilt on that game. <laughs> Uh, and then I threw Cade <laughs> 6 in there just because Cade and Shax, and we explored this in the Hunter episode a bit, they have very different philosophies sort of about how that fight would go. Uh, and we know that Cade 6 would probably have no problem fighting dirty at all. Uh, and that very <laughs> much reminds it in his eyes. Yeah, well, that very much reminds me, like, people always ask, like, who would win a fight, uh, Superman or Batman? And I'd have to imagine in this case where it's like Shax is Superman and Cade is Batman. So it's like dirty tricks and biding your time and taking advantage of like, you know, uh, weaknesses or advantageous situations versus like the raw power of I'll just destroy the entire planet you're on. How about that? So, yeah, that was a that's that's a good one. I love I love hearing those uh, those kind of questions. So uh, so thanks, Riot, for 
for asking. And anyone else who has any questions, you can reach out to us uh, on Twitter at Stories, or you can email us at destinyghoststories at gmail.com um, or apparently on Reddit. Uh, so so that's uh, pretty exciting too. And there was actually a, a pretty, pretty awesome Reddit post this past week where uh, someone was trying to uh, put together a list of podcasts they thought were were good for destiny for people to to listen to and and uh and hear some more information about destiny and and just things to things to do when you when you can't be playing and uh and so you know they had the the monster list with planet destiny and crucible radio and and uh we got added to it so that was pretty exciting for us but uh but it's out there it's still running around on twitter and and it's in reddit so if you want to find a, a good list of of other podcasts related to destiny to listen to um you can find it on reddit and we'll we'll try to throw that in the show notes as well so you can find it um what else we have going on? We've got our uh, Teespring campaign, which is uh, coming to a close this Thursday, November 19th. So uh, you can go check out our Vault of Glass ugly sweater designs and, and try to pick one of those up. Uh, check it out. Go check out the design. scooby Deezy made it, and it is just so cool. It's it's a great, great shirt, and, uh, and I love it. I just can't. I still, every time I see it, it makes me smile, so... So go check it out. Um, we're also now, I guess, on Facebook. So you can check us out there. Um, we are D Ghost Stories on Facebook. So go look for us if Twitter's not your thing. And uh, and you can get a hold of us there and, and follow us or whatever Facebookers do. Um, <laughs> I haven't used Facebook in so long now. It's just, I, I, you know, I, my wife always has me post pictures of the kids and stuff that's going on and things like that. But uh, But I've ignored it so much lately it's just uh kind of kind of ridiculous on my part but um but we're there we're there so check us out all right third week for our new section called ignored lore um let's get started with that handsome you want to talk about some of these yeah sure so this is a a common set called uh salas and finn and it uh it kind of seems to tell the story of a of a hermit uh possibly a warlock um, he's uh, on Venus, and uh, it's called the Five Lives of Albios. And uh, the first one here is the uh, the chest piece. It says, "He lived his fourth life in the swamps of Venus, beneath the shade of a willow tree." And then, uh, drop. You want to take the next one? Uh yeah. So then we'll move on to the helmet, and it says, "Why a willow tree? It was his only roof. The swamp had consumed everything else." And that takes us on to uh, the uh, the next little piece of the story, and I will uh, I'll toss it over to Swain to read that one. All right, and then there's the uh, the boots, the Salas and Fen Juan boots. Uh, not a trace of him is left; only the swamps of Venus remain. And uh, extra, I'll take the gloves, I guess. Um, so the Salas and Fen won gloves, and uh, it wasn't until his fifth life that the Ahankara spoke to him. By then, it was too late. I love that. That last line, I think, is is fantastic. Uh, we have a actual confirmation here of not only Ahamkara on Venus, uh, but of somebody speaking to them who we really know nothing about. So we're not quite sure what that by then it was too late part means. <laughs> uh, but again, we now we have, it's again, the Ahamkara popping up uh, in the lore, you know, speaking directly to to people out in the wilderness or 
for survivors of of the dark age here and uh and meddling meddling in our affairs uh and then terrible things happening to that person <laughs> so it's in, and then I, I threw some fun facts in here so uh the first word of the the salicin fen gear salicin is actually an anti-inflammatory compound produced by willow trees so there, there's a there's a comp there, it all ties ah. together there uh, and then the not so fun fact, <laughs> which is Albios, this guy who had five lives, uh, was actually the name of a study in 2014 about the mo- mortality rate of septic shock. So maybe that's what he died of out there in Venus. <laughs> because he couldn't find the enough. Swamps are dirty. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So yeah, that is kind of funny though how it how it does tie into the to the willow tree that that they mentioned in the uh, the chess piece. So uh, it's kind of. Yeah, it's it's neat, man. I can't, you know, until you start digging into some of this stuff, you know how much stuff goes back to like mythology and, and things like that, and all of, all of a sudden you have have this, you know, it really ties into it ties into something, but it's really kind of nothing. <laughs> but one 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 of my favorite things that uh, John Wisniewski said when he came on our show was he uh, when they were creating guns. Like they had like the worst names for them, like Godstopper, and <laughs> and he's like, it's like the inside name is just terrible, and then they throw it to their guys that do all like the names and everything, and he would get it back and be like, wow, that's a much better name, and he's like, he he definitely said that like every single piece, every single thing you see has has been thought about thoroughly. Yeah, that's that's so amazing, and you and you learn that a lot in the lore and how it ties into stuff, and it's it's so cool. Um, and people miss that. People miss all that stuff, and we're finding I'm finding out more and more. You know, yeah, I love these little uh, forgotten lore things you guys do. Yeah, I was gonna say that's like the main reason we did this because like we started noticing like the green armor, blue armor, all those things have great lore tied to them, and it's like it's most people, you know, as soon as you get them, you just throw them away. So thought we'd bring some light to it and then after the books of sorrow you know the ahamkara were thrown right back into the spotlight with people trying to deduce their relationship to the worms and you know who they really were and what they've done with us and and then here you have you know the story of somebody who directly interacted with them tucked away in this this little set of blue gear that you've probably broken down a thousand times for armor parts right <laughs> and is this a, a warlock armor? yeah this is all warlock it? armor Okay. So yeah, so there you have it. The uh, the Salison Fen set. This this excerpt of a story from the five lives of of Albios. All right, so let's get going uh, uh, going with Osiris here. Um, so what we know and and why we know uh, why we know it about Osiris. So what can we what can we talk about? Um, do we want to kind of start with the uh, the Osiris Grimoire card? Yeah, I mean it's it's one of the best I feel like places. That's a good to, starting point to sort of kick off here. I mean, this Osiris Grimoire card, I would recommend everybody take a a a read. This particular card is full of all kinds of amazing information about Osiris, uh, and it's pretty much a first-hand account of the speaker. Uh, it's it's told from his point of view uh, about the interactions that he had with Osiris, and we learn a lot about sort of not where Osiris came from, but how he rose so quickly uh, within the sort of the ranks of the Guardians 
and the role he played when he was at that peak and then you know his divergence really from from uh, the teachings of the speaker and from the philosophies held by the tower in the city and what the vanguard represents and it's a great little sort of short story here uh about like the history of osiris so we'll we'll dive into that but we should also inspect sort of the uh, the second uh major source of lore we have for osiris as well which is uh brother vance who is directly linked to the trials of osiris Oh man, I, I was reading all those quotes and I was just like, man, I didn't realize he says all this. Yeah, one of the things that I think Beta and I do a lot, which is both weirdly obsessive <laughs> and slightly <laughs> crazy, is that we stand around NPCs a lot and just record what they say. <laughs> yeah, nice. But they say they say so much. It's like when we when we had talked about the and I'm gonna go back again. I think I mentioned this every episode, but the uh, the festival of the lost. You know, they changed up what um, what uh, oh who was it? Who was who were we giving our candy to? <laughs> Eva, Eva uh, yeah, yeah. They changed up everything she was saying, and she talked a lot about about the festival and stuff like that, and even Eris and and you know everyone, and it added. That's where a lot of that lore from the festival came from which there's a lot tied to it that people didn't even really know um and it's kind of the same here you know there's a lot of stuff that you can find out uh just by standing around listening to to brother vance so yeah i think one of the biggest revelations about vance here is that he used to be a guardian uh and we'll talk about this when we talk about the Osiris Grimoire card but vance we have here he's an a, example of a guardian who left sort of the the philosophies of the tower and the traveler to follow osiris and he became something else Uh, and he says that directly to us he says i began as a guardian and i left to follow a different path perhaps you will too one day uh i thought i mean since we're talking about vance i thought it was kind of interesting that all of his uh, like he has a few quotes talking about the different vanguard leaders and it kind of gives off the hint that he recently left. Because like, he's like, hey, how's Zavala? How's Ikora? How's uh, Cade? And like, you kind of figure not all of them have been there that long. Uh, so it, it gives you kind of a timeline for how long he's been with, Van- uh, with uh, Osiris. Right, yeah, because it doesn't really... I mean, you don't know. There, there, there could still be people leaving um to to go follow osiris obviously because he mentions that perhaps we will too one day which means they're they're i don't want to say they're recruiting but you kind of make you kind of wonder if people are finding out more information about osiris that are pulling them away from the tower to go follow him and be one of his uh i don't know for lack of a better term i guess disciples is that what they're they're kind of called yep yeah so um so yeah that's that's a good point though that uh you know maybe vance recently left to go go help start the the trials or or to go to uh to kind of get things rolling rolling there so this is also big lore wise because it means that a guardian can choose to stop being a guardian like i think a lot of times we encounter we like we encounter characters like eris who are no longer guardians but not by their own choice 
uh, or Toland, who's no longer a guardian by his own choice. But here we have Vance, who willingly gave up his his status as a guardian because of the teachings of Osiris. Like, is it like it's like a buddy cop thing? All right, hand in your ghost and you're done. <laughs> you're, you're done. Right. Well, it makes me it makes me wonder too, though. Um, so, you know, whenever whenever Ikora and and uh, Cade decided to, well, I know Cade didn't really decide. He kind of got forced into to becoming the vanguard. But uh, are they technically still guardians, even though their path is is a little different? I, I mean, I would assume that they. they I mean, they both have ghosts, uh, and they both. I feel like that's the defining factor yeah, is having a ghost being or not. a guardian. So yeah, but Advance definitely does not have a ghost, right? <laughs> not he wouldn't even be able to see it, right? He's blind. Well, wait, he he says that he's blind, but <laughs> he also says <laughs> yeah, he other says... things. <laughs> well, you don't trust him. <laughs> well, I mean, every old. Uh, sorry, I was going to say that his quote for that is, I'm an old blind warlock far from home. Perhaps we can talk. Right. But Eris also says that she's blind. And then if you stand around her long enough, she asks why you're smiling. And then, how do you know that I'm smiling if you're blind? <laughs> her little glowy Creepy. ball told her. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think I think Vance has another quote where he says, you know, even though I can't see you, I know you're there. Well, there's also a quote uh, from the Eye of Soul. Uh, which is a trials weapon where it says the sun took my sight thus the sun became my eyes so there's a possibility that you know willingly giving up your whatever mortal sight allows you to a much broader view of things possibly through some sort of like solar energy or something like that I'm like daredevil <laughs> right. exactly. I can still see yeah. I can see sound I can see light all right. So, well, so now Vance, you know, you mentioned he knew about the the current Vanguard leaders, but it, it seems he's also aware of the the not so known um, orders. I guess you could say in the Tower. Um, he's aware of Ikora Ray's uh, hidden yes group. So, and this is interesting because he also mentions that you know he has a quote that says he trusts Ikora. He knows her hidden too well. I can only guess that he's talking about Osiris. Uh, so that means that Osiris is also aware of the hidden, which is interesting because it's in the game that they're always referred to as Ikora Ray's hidden, as if she started that group. Uh, but Osiris, and we'll talk about this in a little bit, he was the van the warlock vanguard before Ikora was, so the hidden could actually be his group that Ikora sort of inherited as the vanguard. So maybe he started the hidden. Doesn't he also mention that there's a a mark? He's like, oh, you're not you're not marked, so you can't be one of the hidden. Which is says like, yeah. like, I wonder what kind of mark that would be. Like maybe like he can see that you're bathed in the sun of Mercury, so it's kind of like all right, I know I know who you are, or he could feel the fact that you are hidden. Yeah, well, it, it, it's or interesting because he specifically says you do not wear the mark, but how would he know that if he was blind? So it's just like, you know, come on. I, I thought you were just going with this daredevil thing. I was, I was kind of running with that. <laughs> uh, but we, so, also, we also know that Eris is a member of the Hidden as well. So and we'll talk about the relationship between Eris and Osiris. 
Now, we, I, I think we mentioned this before. Aren't the hidden supposed to just be warlocks? Yes. For the most part? Yeah. Except for Eris, of course. Except for Eris. Because um, of her unique so, experience. Right. So it, it's kind of, you know, I thought of of uh, whenever it said you do not wear the mark, maybe as a Titan mark, uh, specifically, you know, a class item. Um, but then below it says, uh, no, you're not one of Ikora's hidden, are you? I feel like we've met before. In which case, it's almost like a warlock reference um, because of, of uh, you know, if you're part of the hidden, you'd be a warlock, you would assume. Yeah. So it's like a Titan and, and then warlock reference. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. It just struck me as... as well, this line here, the, uh, the no, you are not one of Ikora's hidden, are you? I feel like we've met before. You know, that could be read a little bit as Vance was a member of the hidden. Uh, and he seem, he thinks that it's strange that he feels like we've met before because we're not one of the hidden. Like if we were, oh, if we were both yeah. members of the hidden, we, we would have met. That makes sense. Because uh, if you actually, if you're standing in the tower long enough and you listen to the PA system, there will be an announcement by Ikora Ray where she calls all the hidden to the black chamber for a meeting. Uh, I don't know what that's in reference to. Maybe it's Oryx. I don't know. It's one of those random PA announcements. So all the hidden seem to be aware of each other because they all meet at some point in this black chamber. It's like the champagne room. <laughs> <laughs> so are all wearing masks. <laughs> All right, so uh, but but definitely though, Vance seems to have like this direct kind of connection to Osiris, yes. um, and and you know almost like a line of communication. Which then again, you have to make this assumption that Osiris is still around, right? So we don't we we don't know for sure if he's alive, right? Or do well, we? we actually do according to Luke Smith? So in the uh, the fast fire questionnaire oh, yeah. type thing. Uh, he was asked, you know, is Osiris still alive? And quickly answered, yes. I do of course, didn't that. give any more information because why would he do that? But Speaking <laughs> of that interview, alive. that thing is awesome. And if you don't know what we're talking about, you got to go watch it. The uh, It was the, the, what was it called? I, the it was fast. IGN, I believe. It was like a like quick fire uh, interview with Luke Smith from, uh, what was it, IGN or... I think that might have been it. I forget. We'll have to we'll have to look it up. We'll we'll try to find that link and post it in the show notes too because it's it's worth it a watch. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it's Game Informer. That's where it's from. Game Informer. Yeah, that's right. Um, so, but uh, but he does. He has some quotes related to uh, to his connection with Osiris. Brother Vance does that is, um, and we can we can mention a few of these. Um, so, like one of them is, uh, "Why do you wish for me to shadow this Aldrin?" Does he scare you? So who's Aldrin? Do we know? Yeah, I mean, we've talked about Aldrin, Prince Aldrin Sov before. Oh, He's the yep. queen's brother. The crow. The crow. Yeah. Um, so. Dropping his birds. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the moment, he's he's still floating around. He's he's stranded on Mars at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I, th- I think it's interesting that Osiris is, you know, has an interest in him, but I mean, we know he's got some dealings with the queen so it kind of yeah. makes sense to have an, an eye on her brother who seems a little sneaky at times so well we know that aldrin is in the business of information so you know there's a chance here that aldrin very much knows why the disciples of osiris are in the reef and that 
his sister is dealing with Osiris and Aldrin's probably trying to learn more about Osiris. So this very much seems like a, you know, snoop onto them while they snoop onto us kind of order. Yeah, but a couple of his other quotes um, when he's when he's kind of referring to Osiris are, are definitely leading um, somewhere, it seems like. Uh, I like the one that he mentioned Shaxx in. Uh, <laughs> Why do you make me deal with this Shax master? Is it a test? So it makes you, I mean, it, it's like he's the go between, between Osiris and Shax for some reason. And, uh, and it's kind of, it, it's kind of fun. Um, but at the same I, time, it leaves it kind of open to, to, you know, what are they, what, what are they dealing with or what are, what are they talking about? Well, I, I, I can only imagine him trying to convince Shax. He's like, I just need one of your maps for the entire week. <laughs> like, well, right. And, and this is kind of interesting, too, because in the Osiris Grimoire, well, I think we'll touch on it in a minute, it says, um, you know, I, the speaker is talking, I hear stories of Lord Shaxx meeting with fire teams of warlocks who have no shadow and never blink. And so he's saying that's kind of kind of exciting to me because I, kind of, I think that ties in right there to me. Well, and also... Yeah. You know, lore-wise, and we're not totally sure on this, you know, Shax is the commentator for Trials of Osiris. Uh, you know, when you first zone into wherever you're going to play, you hear Shax's voice yelling, Trials of Osiris. So, yeah, Shax is involved here at some point. You know, whether Shax is involved because this is like the best of the best competition going on, and we know how jacked up he gets about watching that stuff, uh, <laughs> or whether there's some deeper connection between... Shax and the trials and Vance and Osiris. We're not really sure. <laughs> it's Shax's weekend gig. Yeah. He's like, yeah, hey, yeah, call matches on the weekend for Osiris and make an extra buck. Well, I mean, and that goes because we don't really know why, you know, Shax also calls all the Iron Banner matches, which doesn't really make much sense. So, you know, whether it's that's yeah. actually like canon in lore or just because Shax is an awesome announcer, it's, it's up to the <laughs> That next quote on is really interesting, though. Uh, which, uh, which one's that? None of them are ready for Mercury. And I, I think a lot of the players who have gone 9-0 and would disagree with that. <laughs> yep. Um, there was another one uh, that that is interesting. It says, speak through me, Master. Let me help you find them. That leaves it pretty wide open. Well, and also, it, it, you could follow it up immediately with that last quote, which is, I waited and waited, and suddenly, here they all are. You were right. Meaning that Osiris could have very much... See, and here's the thing. Did Osiris predict that the Guardians would show up in the Reef? Or did Osiris tell Vance, hey, I just made a deal with the Queen. She's going to open up the Reef, so expect a whole flood of Guardians up here. Right. Yeah, because she wasn't... The, the Awoken really weren't overly happy about that right no oh man listen to uh who's the cryptarch in the reef <laughs> he's kind of yeah he's kind of a jerk i think yeah. he might be i think i might hate him more than raul <laughs> <laughs> yeah he doesn't like having us around and even some of the flavor if you just listen to some of the vanilla flavor text while you're walking around the reef a lot of those people are like oh why are you here so so brother vance obviously like i said is is pretty a pretty good source of kind of some information about Osiris and what's going on with the trials and things. Um, so what about Osiris himself? What do we know or what do we want to talk about there? Um, yeah, what so kind of, I mean, let's, let's jump to uh, what this card, this grimoire card tells us about uh, Osiris here. Uh, 
you know, we know that he was possibly around in the pre-city age, but he was definitely around right around the time the faction wars happened. Uh, and the faction wars took place before the current political system that exists in the tower right now. Uh, and that, you know, back in the day, and again, this is one of those things I think we talked about in the first episode is very, very, very human thing here. You know, this is a city starts to form and immediately you have people vying for power. Uh, so this is uh, the faction wars were basically groups of people who had gotten together. We don't know if it's the factions that we have now, people like Future War Cult and Dead Orbit, but they tended to fight pretty violently <laughs> with each other, all vying for power uh, within the city. Uh, and something that's interesting is during the faction wars, there's allusions to this in a bunch of grimoire cards, uh, including uh, the first city grimoire card. They talk about how the Guardians didn't get involved, that they sort of had their own agenda. Uh, but once the fighting started to get really intense, like almost leading towards civil war, which is, again, you have humans who have just recovered from the brink of, you know, a global catastrophe. <laughs> they they form one city and they already start to fight with each other. <laughs> uh, the Guardians decide to step in, and that's when the consensus was formed uh, and the current sort of political system we know now, which is the factions form one branch, the vanguard forms one branch, and the speaker forms one branch. Uh, and we know that it was right around this time that Osiris starts to sort of become known, and we know that because the Concordat, who was one of the original factions, who was led by this guy Lysander, uh, they didn't like Osiris, and they they wanted to prevent him from becoming powerful. Uh, the Concordat ends up getting kicked out of the consensus and replaced with the future war cult. So we know this is right around the time, first city, Osiris must have been around prior to the current faction system that we know because this Concordat and Lysander really didn't want Osiris around. Uh, but that, you know, right around that time, that takes us into this major thing here, which is the Battle of Six Fronts, which we've talked about a lot on almost all of our shows, I think, because it was this major battle, the first battle of the city. We talked about this a lot during the Titan episode, because uh, Saint-14 sort of came to prominence here. Uh, Shaxx fought at six fronts, but Osiris... Right, yeah. So Osiris fought at six fronts, uh, and we got some really interesting flavor text about Osiris's involvement with six fronts. Uh, there's a great quote by Vance where he, he just basically says directly, uh, Osiris fought at the Battle of Six Fronts. Uh, it said he seemed to be everywhere at once that day. So we know Osiris was a, a hero of Six Fronts. Uh, and after that, Saint-14 uh, recommends that, that Osiris become Warlock Vanguard. Uh, so that, that quote to me is, is pretty cool um, because it, it <clears throat> we know Osiris is, or we assume he's a sun singer, right? Or we know he is? Yeah, well, we know he's a warlock. Uh, we know that just from uh, what our ghost actually tells us on those first missions on the moon where he says, listen to this from an old warlock named Osiris. So we know, he was an, we know he was a warlock pretty 
high chance that he is like the Sun Singer warlock. Yeah, and I think that quote that uh, that that uh, Handsome Dragon mentioned about um, was it Shaxx talking with uh, the the Sun Singer warlocks who never blinked or whatever. Yeah, um, kind of kind of leads that way as well. Yeah, right. Um, but, but we also uh, but have here. Oh, sorry. No, I was going to say, but here when it says that uh, that while Osiris fought, he was everywhere at once that day, it makes me think of like blink, blinking. Oh. And, and so, do you know, does that, is it, is that implied there, do we think? Or, or, you know, as if he's moving around or blinking around so fast and fighting that it seemed like he was everywhere at once, um, in which case... Is that, you well, know, I mean, does that is, lead us somewhere else? Well, this, this leads down a pretty deep rabbit hole. Uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like we know Osiris has studied the Vex and their gate and teleport networks very extensively. Uh, we don't know at to what point he was involved. Uh, you know, we don't know when he started a lot of that deep research. But if he was already deep into studying sort of the Vex and how they move around uh, we know that the Vex have the ability to instance themselves all over the place. If required, we learn that in the Books of Sorrow. So if that is a, something, a trick that Osiris has already picked up and he's just instancing himself all over the battlefield, you know, he could very much be multiple Osiris's appearing, you know, and, yeah. and turning the tide <laughs> when needed. And if, man, if I could go into any battle and know that there would always be uh, a Radiant Warlock behind me <laughs> with Song of Flame... <laughs> cooling down my well, abilities nonstop, like i'll take it <laughs> they, and well i always like we we know how powerful toland you know he before, before he he ascended and then after as well but I, in my mind i always pictured osiris as more powerful than toland and if we know how many tricks and special powers yeah. toland has like i can't even imagine what osiris could do well, we also have, we have quotes from Toland. He very much looked up to Osiris. Uh, you know, he was Toland was very much sort of awe inspired by, you know, again, I hate to use this word over and over again, but the radiance of Osiris. Uh, and there's quotes from Toland where it's just like, you know, he descended from the sky and bathed us in, in like his golden light, and we all felt like reinvigorated and things like that. Where. Uh, Toland was very much impressed by Osiris. It seems like he was just an almost godly force on the battlefield. So, so then, yeah, go ahead. And so then we have, and you know, and again, we have even records of Saint Fourteen talking about sort of Osiris here. Uh, you know, and he talks about him being a pragmatic warlock, uh, and that's directly referenced. In that grimoire card, there's a you know there's a quote where oh I, I finally found a pragmatic warlock, uh, but I think it's in that grimoire card, uh, the speaker says that Saint Fourteen directly said you know uh, you're like he's a man without much patience for obfuscation, uh, and Saint Fourteen really liked Osiris. He wasn't a big fan of warlocks, but he did like Osiris. Uh, so Saint Fourteen recommended him to become uh, the warlock vanguard which was immediately met by Lysander and the Conquered at. And we... <laughs> and this is... We have this interesting bit of lore in here about, about why they opposed him. So... And that is just... They, they claimed that Osiris was a Golden Age experiment and not a human being at all. So, mm. uh, very interesting. Yeah, so... 
the other the, the tail end of that comment's really funny though because it's resurrected by an inept ghost. <laughs> so do you think that it just was... sounds like a, like a I was just gonna say it, it just sounds like an insult for that time. It's like, oh your ghost is inept. Right. <laughs> what do you he he picked a stupid one to resurrect. <laughs> and you know, to be honest, I, I did I was holding back saying this, but I'm gonna say it now because you just said that. But when you were talking about <laughs> having all these different instances of Osiris on the battlefield, the only thing that popped in my head was the movie Multiplicity. And I'm like, okay, so there's like one Osiris who's real manly and doing all this stuff, and there's one that's a little little uh little dumb and you've got this one that's maybe a little effeminine and and so uh so yeah i, I could just see all these different versions of osiris that all have these different uh you know they're a part of a different timeline that where he he kind of learns different things and, and turns out differently all all together and so that's kind of funny well i mean that raises like a completely other question too where so if osiris has been studying vex technology and understands you know back and forward in time and you know quantum time where it's all a flat circle and you can you know does osiris send multiple versions of himself back in time to ensure the victory at six fronts well i mean skolas does it doesn't yeah. he or that's what he wanted to do oh that's right yeah he pulls the house of wolves through time so i mean that's it's, it's not unheard of so i mean that that's a whole other i mean that's crazy to think about then you, maybe you have this like super powerful Osiris from our time, you know, sending multiple versions of himself back in time to ensure six fronts, thereby, what becoming friends with Saint Fourteen over again and ensuring that he becomes Warlock Vanguard. <laughs> like, is it is it a, uh, a self fulfilling loop, or does he have a deeper ambition there? I don't know. So with the the concordant and Lysander, uh, does do we feel that claim is kind of just like a bitterness like kind of poke, pulling at straws kind of thing and trying to get people to come away from osiris or do you think he think his claims have any uh weight behind him i mean it's a tough call i mean we know lysander and the conquered that were kicked out of the consensus because mm-hmm. lysander is like the biggest jerk uh in the city and right he uses like really underhanded tactics and he's like he he encourages the conquered that to be violent and overly aggressive and you know whether he's bitter from the faction wars or just like a a jerk of a guy we don't really know because there's not a lot about lysander but yeah it could have just been you know whatever them throwing shade uh at osiris because maybe they didn't agree with the new political system you know if if the concordat had been a major faction during the faction wars this new political system unseats their power a lot so maybe they were just opposing to be you know just to be opposition so at this point now, Osiris is the vanguard, right? He gets appointed vanguard because of Saint Fourteen's um, kind of of backing, right? Yeah. So regardless and, of he, what happens with the Concordat, they the speaker appoints Osiris the warlock vanguard. But at some point, he kind of gets bored with being the vanguard and uh, and wants to uh, to do something else or, or wants to kind of explore more, which which is kind of it's very warlock-esque you know they they seem to want to study and and learn more and do more things so you know i could see ikora kind of just getting bored with the with her role as well and uh and wanting to move on and do more with the hidden and and do stuff like that so um after he becomes kind of bored with this what, what does he start doing 
Well, I mean, we also know that Kate is hates being the Vanguard. So, um, well, yeah, he didn't have much choice though. Again, he, you know, that was that was he lost that bet. So, but yeah, this is where he needs to get better at making bets. Yeah, <laughs> right. Or he needs to keep the people he makes bets with alive. <laughs> right there, you go. <laughs> oh, I really like Andal Brask. I'm I'm sad that he's dead. Uh, but yeah, this is it's funny too because in the notes here we have you know. Uh, you know, Osiris becomes bored with the Vanguard responsibilities, endlessly running strikes and sessions with the Cryptarch. Uh, and man, I think we have all felt that <laughs> at some point. Just <laughs> uh, but what's interesting here is that this what happens here also happens in tandem with with who we know, or what we know about Osiris and what he was studying. So the speaker very much takes Osiris under his wing to try and curb some of these things, but we see a personality arising in Osiris. Uh, and this is interesting because one of the things Osiris was studying was what, who were guardians before they were, you know, risen to become guardians. Uh, you know, what, what personalities and memories were true, which ones were manufactured by ghosts. We've seen these sort of musings on pieces of gear uh i think beta brought those up a couple episodes ago so these these personality traits uh you know this and osiris questioned the guardian's sort of willingness to yield to authority and to just sort of be like these like blind war machines who are never told anything and are just like go do this mission go do this mission go do this mission go do this strike which is what we're told to do as players uh but Osiris starts to rebel against this. And yeah, I remember having this conversation when I was first playing the game and trying to explain the story of it uh, to my brother, who's not into the lore at all. And he said to me, why do we, why do we keep doing this? Like, this is the dumb. Why are we doing the same things over and over and over again? I'm like, well, we as players, you know, our characters can't ask that question, but there is a guy in the lore who did. Uh, and it's this guy, uh, Osiris. So one of the things that we noted that I thought was cool was, you know, he also wondered, did the Guardian share a particular personality trait or like a willingness to uh, yield to authority and, and, you know, a tendency to do things uh, without really questioning it? Um, And that kind of brought me back to something we talked about a while back uh, about the ghosts and how... You know, they're looking for someone specifically, and I always wondered, and I still wonder this, if the ghosts are looking for someone with kind of a, a similar personality to their own, because each ghost from some of the grimoire, you kind of get the feeling that they each have have these specific traits or these these personalities. I mean, you know, we talked about our first named ghost, Neville, uh, with Fenchurch, and how he seems to be just as eccentric as Fenchurch does, and... Uh, and even, um, you know, when they talk about, uh, like, uh, Jaron Ward's ghost, he's just as quiet and kind of, of, you know, just standoffish as Ward was. You know, he didn't talk much, didn't speak to anyone, and it was kind of the first, you know, they mentioned this whenever Malfour, or Shin Malfour um, first got, or sees him after, after Ward's death. Um, you know, and he, you know, when the ghost spoke to him, it was like a shock, it felt like. So, you know, it to me... I, I think that that there's more to it than do each one of the guardians share similar traits, um, 
it's more of do the ghosts share a trait with the guardian and if so do they then kind of of almost have like a symbiosis together. right right or or i mean you know might even go more into this top piece that maybe the guardians are similar to their ghosts because the ghosts have fabricated some of their memories and some of their their stuff which then would would kind of make them similar to the ghost if that makes sense i, I kind of thought I, I felt like i was starting to ramble a little bit but, <laughs> but it makes sense in my head <laughs> it makes sense it makes sense it ends up being like oh it your ghost is kind of like your inner narrative and like taken outside of you and made into this thing that can resurrect you from the dead <laughs> well, right, right. because it also goes back to that that claim that he was resurrected by an inept ghost and you know maybe the ghost made a mistake maybe the ghost didn't resurrect somebody who was you know, so willing to blindly follow authority and accidentally raised somebody who you know was naturally anti-authority who asked questions and made a mistake in resurrecting osiris yeah maybe, and that's why they call that ghost, ghost was, dumb <laughs> yeah maybe that ghost had lots of questions maybe. maybe he was asking why am i a ghost where did i come from before this <laughs> he's the laughing stock of ghosts <laughs> well what's going to be interesting so is if, if we ever meet osiris like i'm half expecting his ghost to just be like a complete idiot it's like hovering <laughs> over his shoulder saying stupid things all the time uh what's the what's the name of the uh from portal 2 the uh, oh <laughs> yeah yeah um wheatley from portal 2 like that's what i yes. imagine osiris's ghost to be like <laughs> nice so i mean if if uh there's all this gossip about osiris not being a person or uh what do you guys think that he was before you know what traits is his ghost you know what memories does he have that the ghost is fabricating or what do you, do you think is actually true what did he do before yeah well this is i mean it's a tough question so i beta put notes in here that he very much wanted us to pay attention to which was that uh we know that osiris wasn't an exo because by this point exos had already be well known uh, so if they're claiming that he is some other kind of golden age experiment, we know that's probably not an exo. Maybe, maybe he's a tiger. Oh, one of those tiger people. <laughs> there you go, tigerman. Tigerman. <laughs> he got cut, to, <laughs> so they don't know what he is now. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, yeah, that's what I was going to say. You know, uh, from what we know, you know, there's only only three races that that make up the guardians. So if he's not human, not an exo, he leaves awoken, but. Were they really an experiment? Could you really attribute that to maybe an experiment of, well, this all happens. No, this is after. So this, I mean, is what Rasputin did, uh, you know, an experiment? Did he know, did Rasputin know that the Awoken would be created from from that, that uh, blast? Well, it's interesting because we don't, we still don't know a lot about what happened during the Golden Age, other than like those great advancements in technology and things like that. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if there were just some scientists, you know, who are like, why does the traveler's light do all these amazing things for us? What would happen if we focused that light into a person or something along those lines? Uh, and they very much could have exper been experimenting with sort of creating a sort of proto-guardian before the guardians ever came on the scene by trying to harness the traveler's light into a person or, you know, into a, a vessel. Uh and in a lot, it's interesting because in a lot of the gear, there's reference to sort of like 
seraphs and angels and you know a radiant warlock has the flaming wings and things like that and we know that beneath one of the rasputin's bunkers is the the seraphim vault uh where very much and we know that by exploring down there this is actually if you fall through the floor in one of in the <laughs> rasputin bunker too i believe it is that there are these pods that very much seem like they were built for humans in this seraphim vault. Uh, we also know that there was something, there's some reference to something called the seven seraphs uh, in the game lore. So whether or not Osiris was actually an experiment, whether this was the seraphs experiment, whether the war mines were involved or not, or just a bunch of crazy scientists experimenting with a traveler's light, uh, we don't really know. Uh, but it's it's totally not unheard of uh that this could be a possibility all all of it stinks of venus yes, and yes it absolutely the does. vex and research over and on venus i i, I agree 100 percent with that <laughs> so uh so once so once uh once osiris you know was was kind of asking all these questions um the speaker wasn't really happy with him then right i mean not shouldn't say that but but he kind of yeah he kind of took offense to the questions he right. saw the questions as uh divisive and disloyal um and he seemed you know he seemed genuinely uh concerned for humanity in the city here um like if not only and if not only just because he felt loyalty to the traveler was like the number one like responsibility and now you have someone the vanguard leader who's kind of questioning everything but then we get into uh and this and is now i'm not i'll oh, try go i'm gonna <laughs> chime in but opposite like i normally do uh normally i would be like no don't trust the speaker osiris is right count but at, when you read through when you read through <laughs> this card you you get a sense really that the speaker cares a lot about the city and he cares a lot about humanity and I may question his fanatical devotion to the traveler here, but it seems like he's being pretty genuine. He does believe that, you know, Osiris asking all these questions and doing all these things is going to is going to lead to some pretty bad places. So I can I can respect the speaker's sort of devotion to maintaining a status quo a little bit because you got the last vestiges of humanity are under your guard here. So you got to you got to look out for them a little bit. Hey, drop. Yeah, we got you. Uh, you. This is recorded. You know that, <laughs> so we can we can play this back. And, and you uh, said nice stuff about the speaker. <laughs> yes. At this one point in the past, uh, I can understand the speaker's motivations. Beyond All that, right. don't trust the guy. <laughs> Noted. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, so, but but then all of a sudden, Osiris, uh, he uh, he starts to to get into some other interesting things well let's go back for a second so um beta beta type something else in here did we talk about this about uh about what we think or what we th what we think uh, uh the speaker's reservations were that, that maybe some of this stuff was um maybe him dabbling in the darkness well this is as funny as reading through these notes, man, Beta and Future War Cult. The, if, if Lakshmi 2 ever gives up command of 
the future war cult, Beta should take it over. Beta's jumping in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's his thing, man. But he brings up a good point, uh, and he brings up this point where in Ghost Fragment Darkness, and also if you stand around Lakshmi too long enough, she'll say this directly to you, where she says, the war is all there is for you, uh, which is the future war cult's philosophy. But that goes back to the last question that Osiris asked, which is, have the Traveler manufactured guardians solely as living weapons? You know, is that a self-fulfilling prophecy? Uh, and while I'd, I'm not going to... I think the future war cult is involved in a lot of things. I'm not necessarily convinced of an overwhelming connection to Osiris, because this seems like it would be a question that would be asked pretty routinely, given the, the nature of the environment of Destiny. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it, they are. They're very similar. Uh, so, and we know Lakshmi too has been around for a really, really long time. So she may have very but, easily have witnessed sort of like the rise and fall of Osiris. But, like I, I feel like you guys mentioned it before that uh, Osiris might have some time ties to the fire team that went into the vault, and we know from Praetor's uh, ghost, right? That yep. we find that he was part of the oh, future world vault. And if there's that, that whole tie together, you know, future work cult, Venus, Praetith, Osiris, it kind of kind of just, uh, it rings, it r- kind of comes together. So yeah, well, let's, let's, yeah, let's, okay, we can move. And I was going to say, Lakshmi is pretty, pretty good source of info since, uh, since it is only the second iteration. Yes. So that's another thing to, to keep in mind. Yeah, she's one of the few characters that we can actually you know, look at the things that she says, and they're they're probably mostly true, just because of uh, yeah, she's number two from an EXO perspective. From an EXO yeah. perspective, yeah. yeah. So so then then Osiris decides to get into, and I'm gonna try to say this word. Oh my gosh, maybe not. Um, <laughs> Thanatonotic, Thanatonotics, Thanatonotics. All right. That so yeah, right. These, these questions so, were the gateway drug to the hard stuff. This is the hard stuff. I. <laughs> I actually have a little note here um, that Thanatos was the Greek avatar of death, the Grim Reaper of sorts for for Greek gods. Yep. It's also a Dutch metal band. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> totally off topic. Did anybody see the the death metal poster that somebody made of the King's Fall raid? Oh, no. he basically took all the names because he he was going through the entire raid and felt like every single thing you encounter is the name of a death metal band so the so it's priest. like yeah king's <laughs> fall tour featuring war priest golgoroth like the death singers <laughs> it's, it's an awesome poster <laughs> and it makes so much sense well we'll have to find that one too and link it up in the in the show notes that's awesome <laughs> i haven't seen it i'll have to go look for that so uh so that makes sense, though. I mean, if you, if you, uh, what you said, uh, Swain about Thanatos, um, you know, for Osiris, you know, if it's the, what did you, what was it again? Uh, Thanatos is the Greek avatar of death, like the Grim Reaper of sorts. Yeah. So that, that makes sense with, uh, with Osiris and being a sun singer and, and resurrection, um, you know, cause he, he definitely would, would not, uh, not fear death or he would almost welcome it. You'd think so. Maybe, Looking into this uh, than, than, um will have something to do with that. So let's see. Uh, so Thanatonot, 
my gosh, I'm going to, I can't, I, you know what? I'm going to stop talking because I can't say this word. <laughs> go, go ahead and talk a little bit about this handsome. So, uh, so this is a technique where, uh, uh, these, the warlocks that practice this, uh, they would voluntarily die so that they may have, uh, like visions before their ghost would revive them. And so you, you can kind of see the, the kind of the, the darkness of this practice already and just basically committing suicide or intentionally. They, I know, uh, there's a, a reference to them going into the crucible just so they could easily die and then, and hope to see some, get some revelations before they were revived by their ghost. So, so they talk about this in the uh, Grimoire card, right? Vision 81. Yeah. Vision 81. So this is a weird, it's a strange card. It's sort of like off to the side a bit. Uh, I wasn't even totally aware of this. I mean, I read this card, but I wasn't, it didn't spring to mind immediately, but yeah, it makes total sense that this is sort of like the viewpoint of a, of a Thanatonaut. So, uh, I mean, I'll just read it. Yeah, I'll read it. Yeah. Um, this journey begins with doubt and ends in solace. One by one, they fall, and you realize you're alone. There, in the shadow of the night, shadow of night, you see the world splinter, the darkness thrive, and you fight with more than your light. You use your pain. You remember its source, the way it gained its ground, but you never wavered. You never believed. You loved her. How couldn't you? Listen, that's her calling you back, but you know, sorry, but you know now that this, that, that is where you will die. So yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's some pretty dark stuff, but, but then, you know, is it referring to, to, you know, I guess the question is who is she, who is her? Is it death? Does it refer to death as a, as a, in the, the kind of female perspective? Well, I've always viewed this card as some, like, this is that, you know, they say your life flashes before your eyes when you, before your eyes when you die. Uh, But this is very much to me, strikes me as this all happens in a moment between death and resurrection for a guardian. And this particular guardian is recalling a memory from their life before they were a guardian. Uh, And it's sort of being mixed in uh, with sort of this message from the traveler or the ghost. Uh, and it's so this to me, and this again is only me, this is the a ghost or the traveler or the effects of being a guardian or whatever it is. This is using the original host, for a better word, lack of a better word, memories and combining them with this battle against the darkness to sort of invigorate a guardian to resurrect and keep fighting for the light by drawing upon sort of like the passion and emotion from something they experienced when they were actually alive. But that's just me. <laughs> mm. uh, but it's interesting because there's uh, just in terms of like the, the Thanatonauts, uh, I believe it is mentioned somewhere and maybe I could be completely wrong. Uh, but also uh, Pujari, the warlock, dabbled uh, in this particular, you know, class of warlock. And we know him from all the visions he had of the Black Garden. So he, maybe he had experienced this uh, just by killing himself over and over again uh, and was granted these visions of the Black Garden. Sounds like they have a terrible 
terrible cave. <laughs> or, or they're the people, those wonderful people who go into trials and then die for you so you can make it to the lighthouse. <laughs> hey, I told a story about someone that used to do that. <laughs> and I think, I mean, that also comes from, there's this sort of like legend of the, there's this card, a legend of the Black Garden. Uh, and it says that he, it very specifically says, uh, I am Pujari, and these are the visions I have of the Black Garden. So whether or not they came from sort of this ex- exploration of death uh, or whatnot. So, and he said, he even says in the visions, you know, this is the vision I had when I leapt from the shores of time and let myself sink. So, you know, he yeah, could have been. definitely sounds like he was partaking in the darkness. <laughs> also, thank you for sacrificing yourself off the edge of shores of time so I could get that win. <laughs> sometimes it's not intentional those uh, platforms are true I, I will i'm not going to admit how many times i have been staring out of b slowly backing up to line up my shot and gone <laughs> right off the back of the <laughs> ball off the side <laughs> no, way too many times <laughs> so what bring what what comes next so so he's dabbling in thanatonautics yeah. oh i got it got it right that time nice. Um, <laughs> and then, uh, then we come to some, uh, some Ahamkara stuff, right? Yep. Cause of course, <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're going to be, if you're going to be the, the rebel, the rebel warlock and study all the things you shouldn't study, of course, you're going to go after the Ahamkara. Right. Right. So what do we, yeah. Well, we don't know. I mean, we don't know. Uh, but there, I mean, there is the possibility here that. This is where he first learns about Oryx and the Hive. And we know the Hive networks and the Vex networks are linked. Uh, you know, Ahamkar lore is a very slippery slope into the sort of paths of darkness that we know here. So uh, dipping into this, man, it's, it's yeah, slippery slope. So, what, at what point do the Warlocks go and wipe out the Ah? Oh, yeah. Air quotes, wipe out the Ahamkara. Is it like around the time of Osiris or is it way before? No, it's definitely not way before. Uh, and the great Ahamkara hunt, we don't know exactly when it happens. Uh, so, you know, Scooby and I have this occurring during the city age. Uh, and we know this because there's references in the grimoire to the Ahamkara leading sort of guardians astray and uh, guardians using Ahamkara to help bolster the city itself. So we know the city is already established. So this must happen during the city age. And we know that Osiris was active during the city age. Uh, so, you know, there's the, there is the possibility here that the Ahamkara hunt was you know, instituted, it says instituted by the Vanguard, whether or not Osiris was the Vanguard at the time is unclear. But if he had gleaned some insight here about the relationship between the Ahamkara and the Worms and the Hive and Oryx, you know, maybe, maybe Oryx said, oh man, we got to get rid of these things and fast. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, in the notes here, we also mentioned that there's, there is a story uh, the Ghost Fragment Warlock, which we talked about last week, uh, which is the story of a, a warlock stealing a, a little Ahamkara bone and then challenging a hunter to, to go take one down. 
And then the scale artifact. Yeah, then the scale. Yeah, yeah I did it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we talked about that last week. That was awesome in the Hunter episode. Um, so, do we think that? Do we think that um, if Osiris is, is studying the Amkara and, and the Hive, do we think that Toland and him might have had some interactions, or could he have learned some stuff from Toland? Uh, well, is there anything that ties those two together anywhere? Not, I mean, not really, other than sort of their their concurrency, I guess. Uh, what's interesting is that the the start of the Osiris Grimoire card starts with a question, which is what drives a warlock to madness? You know, it's never once ever insinuated that Osiris is mad ever toland is the only warlock who's ever been called mad uh and that card also ends with perhaps what drives a warlock to madness is truth and again it's nobody has ever called osiris mad you know he's called like a hero he's called a rebel you know he's called you know all kinds of things but never mad never crazy uh it's only toland who has ever had that distinction so whether or not Toland has influenced Osiris at this point, and that's a reference to that, or that in their studies together, Toland sort of took it in a much darker direction than Osiris ever did. You know, maybe Toland just didn't have the mental sort of strength to not go nuts studying all this stuff. Uh, but we also know that Toland ne- wasn't necessarily mad per se. He was scared of what he discovered. Uh, and maybe maybe that's the big difference. Maybe Osiris discovered this and wasn't scared uh, and decided to to chase it without fear. And Toland allowed his fear to overwhelm him uh, and and wanted to crawl inside it and sort of like know more about it so he could hide within it. Yeah, from what we, we know of Toland and, you know, and I, as much as I love him, everything he does seems to be, like from what we know, it's more for him more for what knowledge he can gain what power he can gain um what he plans on doing with that we don't really know but it seems like osiris is like on the outside but still working towards like helping the hidden helping the queen helping and kind of doing it for the greater good for for humanity still yeah there, there's a benevolence to osiris uh, that Tolan definitely doesn't have i feel like uh osiris um may have a a grip on the much larger picture where like uh it's even in the book of sorrows where like the vex are just vastly more powerful than the hive in many ways and it ends up being like oh the the hive are actually scared of the way the vex are able to handle the sword logic they don't have it down you know down pat but they like they adapt it so quickly and uh Maybe Osiris, but maybe Osiris has a uh, that sort of grasp on the thing. He's just like, oh, the Vex know what they're doing, like you know. And if they had keep adapting from the Hive, they're gonna get stronger. And you know, maybe that's where like he gets his knowledge of the Hive from Toland, and vice versa. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh... this is and you know, and we're never in the books of Sorrow. We're never given any deeper insight there. We know that. Blade Transform communicated back to the the Vex, the like the core Vex minds about what was discovered. But the the Vex must have just 
gigantic repositories of knowledge about the hive uh, because of their interactions with them. So if Osiris is, is able to tap Vex knowledge, then he must know everything that they know about uh, the hive. So again, yeah, like you said, from, from an outside view where Toland is on the inside sort of looking out from within that. Yes. Now, since uh, since you brought up the books of sorrow, I'm going to mention something here. Um, you know, we've a lot of this stuff we've talked about with the Ahamkara has come from the uh, Ghost Fragment, the Warlock mm-hmm. uh, card, and in there, there's a, a, a subtle little, like I said, nod <laughs> to the history of the Hive and the Ahamkara that uh, that based on recent kind of speculation about the worms from the books of sorrow actually being kind of the earlier forms possibly of an ahamkara um in that in that uh warlock ghost fragment it does uh does mention you know the the dragon that made promises and uh again that's what the worms you know were doing to the to the sisters so you know again it it's kind of tying that in uh, maybe again a lot of speculation there you know it, it never says for sure um that you know the worms are are ahamkara or vice versa um but but again uh, along that that theory um you know this is a, again a, a nod back to to the books of sorrow in some some ways so i thought that was pretty pretty cool yeah well this this line i love this line because ghost fragment warlock came way before the books of sorrow ever did right Uh, right you know but we have this line you know here at the end uh and there's also well so this this line from ghost fragment warlock was you try and try and try to explain but no one ever understands no one who's not a warlock who hasn't spent a dozen years scouring the ruins for one string of symbols one clean code one black talon titans just make a humphing noise if they've stayed awake hunters clean their nails with their knives and look at you like you've grown a third eye uh, <laughs> Hmm. Yeah. So that's a that's a, what a great nod. Like that's a, I mean that's a little piece that is hidden deep, where one of those things where wow, uh, this has been in front of us the whole time. You know, tucked away in this ghost fragment warlock card. What's well, telling a great story? Uh, this phrase like you've grown a third eye is like a direct reference to to the hive. Yeah, that's uh that's cool. Man, it's it's. It makes me wonder, you know, obviously, you know, I'm going to jump off the lore here for a second and go into the kind of real world. But, you know, we, we've talked about this before, how, um, you know, they went through a lot of changes with the the grimoire and the, the lore and the writers and, and everything else. Um, and, you know, they had a new set and not a new set, but but uh, a new kind of, of director for the for the lore piece uh, early this year. And it has to be tough to go back and look at all of this old information and try to tie it into like brand new thoughts and ideas for, for year two and, uh, and destiny two. you know, I mean, it's, it's gotta be this because, you know, as much as they've thought out kind of the big picture, it's like trying to tie everything together has got to be so complex and, and going back and grabbing little pieces here and there. And then, then referencing them, you know, there's going to be a lot of people that miss, all this this little stuff that's that's been given to us in year one if they just picked up the game so uh so it's kind of kind of fun that we're we're finding this stuff out and and hopefully getting it in front of people 
Well, I was talking to someone the other day, and we were kind of speculating on, um, you know, future installments of Destiny and who the, you know, the, the big bad guy is going to be and things like that. And they were throwing things around, and uh, I think someone mentioned uh, uh, Teox coming in or Oryx's sisters, and, and like we were talking and people who haven't spent the time to really read the book of sorrows or maybe listen to the podcast or other things out there. Like the vast majority of destiny players probably have no idea Oryx even has sisters. It's like, it's like that put do it going that direction could go way over people's heads. Like, so hopefully I'm, I'm sure it's a tough job trying to find a way to like get this vast story like out to like the mass of yeah, game players. They'll have to they'll have to figure out a really good way to to bring it into the uh the story missions and explain it so that people mm-hmm. know what's going on without having to go in and, and really dig into the grimoire and, and the lore to find out what's going on. Yeah, I mean Well yeah, they also they also have to make it accessible to like like you said, like someone that just wants to jump in, you know, year three. Uh, it has to be just as accessible as year one. Right. So there's gonna be like these breaking, like these breaking points where like the story is like somewhat ended. So I feel like the Taken King kind of wraps that up a little bit. It's like, all right, well, we killed Oryx. That's cool. And at this point, they could probably start something new in year two, and it would be its own thing. Yeah, and you wouldn't really miss much from year one unless yeah. you went back and and played through everything. It could. Yeah, that makes total sense if they they just kind of picked up. But you know, we also discovered through the festival and through uh, through the Eververse Trading Company that they can continually add lore into the game without having to do big expansions and things like that. So hopefully, this whole next year they'll continue to expand on it. And we still don't know really what's going on with uh, with all the stuff that's going to happen in the raid as far as the extra challenge modes. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe one of the challenges will be, you know, you're running through the raid and, and you get to the end and instead of Oryx, it's somebody else with a totally different, you know, it's, I mean, really, I mean, maybe you're going to fight his sisters. They're there now. And, and it's a giant speaker. <laughs> yeah. But, but I mean, really, you know, it could, they could change the entire dynamic of the game by, by switching up enemies and characters in the raid, you know, because you've cleared it once. Now you're going back through and, you're you're in another, uh, in another um oh, in someone else's uh, realm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, but it's real similar to uh, to what Orcs had as well. So I don't know, but it'll be it'll be fun to find out. This next year is going to be great. So let's uh, let's keep moving on here a little bit. And um, yeah, we uh, where are we at now? We are here well, to, we're to uh, sort of like this last this last little bit. You know, this last thing that Osiris was sort of off doing uh, that was sort of frowned upon by the speaker. And in this instance, we have, again, a very interesting sort of uh, like allegory or, or relation to the player characters. Uh, he chased Zer and the Nine for a long time. Uh, I mean, it's hilarious to me, but it's like, what was he chasing him for his stuff? Like, what, what was going on? <laughs> right. And what was he expecting <laughs> to get? But it's, but, so a lot of this information, though, that we get from from Osiris kind of pursuing the nine comes from Brother Vance, right? Or do we do we have any other references besides yeah. what he says? 
most of it most of it comes from Vance. Uh but there's a in that Osiris grimoire, there's a mention that, you know, Osiris is making trips out to the reef uh and out to the Vestian outpost without ever being fired upon. Uh and we know from our story mission that you know, any ship that enters the territory of the reef is Im- almost immediately fired upon. Uh, we They make an exception for us. Whether they make an exception for us because Osiris tells the reef that we're coming, uh, we don't know. But the reef's policy tends to be to just blow anybody out of the sky who enters their realm. Uh, and they didn't do that with Osiris. So he, he made the reef a bit of his his forward outpost you know while he chased uh we know we don't know that the nine exist beyond the jovians but you know the reef is the gateway to that outer rim of planets so if you're chasing Zer and you're chasing the nine you you gotta pass through the awoken territory to do that right right well let's talk let's talk a little bit about some of the stuff that vance says because i think it's it's pretty amazing that this, the, a few of the things that he says um so uh so the first one we have listed here says, Osiris stood before the nine on the ice fields of Europa, but the time wasn't right. So there's something going on there. That's that's uh that's pretty again vague, but at the same time it's it's kind of telling um that that Osiris was was with the nine and and kind of with you know trying to trying to do something with them, but Maybe they didn't deem him worthy yet, um, or or maybe he just he you know he wasn't ready. Um, but uh, but something's going on there, and uh, or maybe it could end up being like if you look at it literal literally, the time wasn't right. Um, maybe he's waiting, like because he has information from the Vex network that it just wasn't right. Like oh. I showed up at the wrong time. Yeah. Like actual time. <laughs> well, well, this is things this is where things I mean start to get really crazy because again, if if we take Vance at his word and we start putting puzzle pieces together, it starts to get really crazy. Uh we know that Europa is a moon of Jupiter. It's been mentioned in the lore before. Uh in a bunch of different ways, but one of the times it has been brought up is in Ghost Fragment Legends 2. Uh, which is about the Nine. One of the lines says, the Nine are ancient Leviathan intelligences from the seas of Europa. Uh, mm. And we've already had a whole bunch of, you know, lore dropped on us about ancient Leviathan intelligences that live below seas, <laughs> which are, you know, the worms from the Books of Sorrow. <laughs> uh, and we know that Jupiter is a gas giant, uh, and Fundament was a gas giant. So, man, that this is a really dangerous quote by Vance, lore-wise, uh, because if it's true, it seems to almost confirm that we have uh, these worms in our system, and they're existing somewhere, you know, out in by Jupiter. Uh, and if Osiris was hunting these things, you know, if if he had been dabbling in Ahamkara lore and he was aware of the worms, he was aware of the symbiotic relationships that they have, uh, and then he he decided to track them all the way out to Europa and found them out there, and they're actually the nine. Like that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, that is that's tying together a lot of pieces of lore that are are really dangerous for guardians. 
Right, right. And uh, and then he says, here's something else that I thought was was pretty pretty cool. Um, it's the third one we've got here. It says he says the nine are vulnerable every moment they touch our world. So again, kind of going back to to Swain's uh, I think line of thinking. You know, does world refer to Earth to our planet, or does it refer to our kind of instance of, of time? Um, you know, are they, are they, I, that's what I, whenever it said touch our world, it kind of threw me off earlier today. And, and when I was reviewing the notes, I was like, man, does that, it's, it's just, again, vague, but it just is, it's <laughs> tough to, it's tough to, to, really tie down anything solid to it yeah it it just keeps everything that i think about all this is it keeps coming around in a circle of like the vex to at least to me and uh it makes me think of like oh yeah brother vance is no longer he was a guardian and he no longer is so he doesn't have a ghost um the exo stranger isn't a guardian but she seems to understand you know vex technology as well um so it, <laughs> it it it'll tie together eventually it's just a lot of like miss like missing strings to tie it right you know. right um and then there's quite a few references again to uh to the queen uh in in some of the stuff that brother Vance says um in relationship to uh to the reef and and the nine um it says, uh, my master always had an understanding with the queen. We might've mentioned this one earlier, but that's another, another good line. Um, because it's, it's funny to me that, that in some of the other quotes that we've had, there's always these understandings between people, but it's always because they've had like some weird kind of falling out. <laughs> you know, I think, I think that might be the way that, that, uh, Fenchurch described his, uh, his relationship with um oh with Zavala at one point you know he's got an understanding with him but he's not welcome there anymore or something like that and uh and there were a couple other ones um that I remember but uh but yeah so so you know in this case though it sounds like because like you mentioned drop he's able to 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 uh to move about kind of the the reef in that area freely without any trouble that there is a true kind of understanding like he respects her and and she respects him type of thing um and then there was another one um i came here because we have business of our of our own with the queen nothing to do with wolves but plenty to do with skolas uh so that one's pretty and that ties pretty deep with house of wolves uh, because we know that the queen gave Skolas to the nine, uh, and then Zer released Skolas uh, to sort of like pursue his Kell of Kells deal, uh, which is the entire House of Wolves storyline there a bit. And again, to to bring it back to Swain, that goes right back to the Vex, which we talked about because because Skolas went and hunted down Vex technology, you know, towards the end of that storyline. So this this chasing after Zer and the Nine uh, brings him to the Reef, but then the Reef is directly involved uh, with Zer and the Nine because they give Skolas to them. It's just 
to the, it's all it's tied together very tightly there uh, in a lot of lore that we know directly because that's all that information comes directly from grimoire cards. Uh, it's not any speculation going on there. We know those things happened. So, quick question: Do you remember off the top of your head um, when we defeat Skolas and we bring him back to the prison? Um, what is he mumbling on about? Like he he's, he's been through time, it seems, and he's like he's been affected by it. Uh, is he mumbling about orcs the whole time? Uh... I I remember something specific being like that's foreboding. Uh, I mean, I'm not totally sure. Uh, you know, some of these grimoire cards uh, talk a lot about. <laughs> now I need to find it. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean it's it's certainly quite possible. It wouldn't necessarily surprise me at all. Uh, so, but we know. And it's interesting because you know there it's weird the relationship between Skolas and the Reef, uh, you know, starts off obviously very very violent, uh, but we also know that you know Skolas knows a lot more about what's going on than I think we give him credit for. Like we understand him as this like crazy beast of a fallen guy who who uses a. Uh, I whatever I forget the name of the cannon that he just constantly shoots at us, uh, and teleports around <laughs> with. But you know we know there's a deep story going on, uh, between uh, Varix and between Skolas and between and the things that Skolas learns, uh, and the things that Varix knows. Like there's a great piece we talked about. Uh, the Books of Sorrow. There's uh, Ayat, Ayat, Ayat. Uh, there's in in one of the grimoire cards. I believe it's Skolas defeated. Uh, talks about Varix, and it talks about Varix cutting himself and him saying, "I AI." Uh, and then he talks about understanding. You know these things about. The Vex technology and Hive gods and how did Skolas know all these things and uh, you know why do the Guardians get to be the servants of the Great Machine and not the Fallen anymore and so they're they're all tied together uh, a bit and we know that there's a house on the moon that deals with the Hive all the time uh, House Exiles which is a Fallen house uh, we don't know that Skolas ever tried to recruit house exile but yeah it's i mean there's tons of it is linked together uh, yeah there's a there's a lot of skolas information we may need to to come back and dedicate an entire episode just to talking about <laughs> skolas i mean really it, it's looking at some of this the information there there is just so much yeah. related to him so uh so not to not to not to cut you off too much, but let's uh, let's get back into yeah. Osiris and and yes. see where we can go from here. Um, so we're on to uh, to Osiris's great crime, at least uh, well, at least according to the speaker. So um, what what is what is his greatest crime? Yeah, I mean, this this comes right from the card. Uh, this is you know Osiris's influence splits guardians along ideological lines uh and this is what the speaker considers to be Osiris's 
great his his great crime this is his great transgression uh that ends up getting him banished from the city is that osiris basically inspired curiosity in guardians uh and we've talked about this we talked about it in the first episodes we talked about it specifically in the titan episodes and in the hunter episodes where these jobs performed very specific roles you know titans were the the wardens of the city uh and the guardians on the wall and the hunters you know helped ferry the the exiled or helped ferried you know uh the last of humanity back to the city the guardians had very specific roles they performed and you know i think to us that seems kind of strange cuz that's nothing that we ever do in the game uh and we learn that here it is it is because of Osiris. He inspires guardians to start looking at the bigger picture, to start exploring the world beyond just the traveler and the tower and the city. And and the speaker will have none of that. He thinks it'll just cause pandemonium. Yeah, it kind of does, at least, you know, in my mind, because, you know, the hunters actually decide to uh, to kind of, of pursue Osiris's visions as opposed to doing what they had been doing. And that's you know gathering and protecting refugees and escorting them back to the to the city so you know that's uh it's kind of a big deal when your your main goal is to kind of help save humanity and you're like wait a minute this guy osiris is telling us you know all this amazing stuff let's go see if if any of that holds weight and uh and we'll let the refugees kind of fend for themselves you know (laughs) that's a that's kind of a that that's a big deal i mean again you know, I can see where the speaker's like, yeah, no, we're, that's not what we're doing. We're not, we're not chasing Toland into the into the caves. You know, we're trying to save humanity. Um, so that's a that's a big deal in my eyes, at least. And I think, obviously, the speaker, since that was, you know, part of what he's he's saying is his greatest crime. Um, yeah, and we also get reference here to uh, possibly the. Uh the original Vault of Glass fire team being influenced by Osiris. Uh, it says, uh, Titans assembled teams to chase the legendary Vault of Glass instead of striking the fallen. And so this could very well be a, a reference to Kabir and the fire team that he assembled to, to enter the vault. And then the question, of course, is, you know, did they kind of get this curiosity um, from Osiris and then go on their own? Did Osiris possibly send them? on like on a mission there but you know right it's a it's a totally um unrelated kind of personality trait for that specific class just like the hunters you know that titan they're not supposed to be the ones with their noses in the books right they're supposed to be the ones out there protecting the city and and defending so uh so yeah it, it's very i think it's very likely that that if the hunters are being kind of swayed by Osiris, why not the Titans? Why not some of the other warlocks? And, and again, we know that Brother Vance left and quit becoming a guard or quit being a guardian to go with Osiris. So, so you know, it's it's not far beyond the realm of possibilities that he's influencing other classes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even warlocks, it says uh, they turned away from the study of the Traveler and. Uh in favor of learning the exact nature of the darkness, which I think we could probably think of a specific warlock that comes to mind that was a <laughs> yeah. yearning for the nature of nature of <laughs> darkness. <laughs> right. Right. And that, and again, if the, if the speaker's kind of the voice of the traveler, so to speak, um, 
you know, if all of a sudden everyone's turning their back on on the traveler to and I don't want to say turning their back, but they're they're saying, well, let's not worry about this thing anymore. Let's go do this other stuff because Osiris, not because Osiris said, but because he's intrigued us, then, yeah, the speaker's gonna be like, wait a minute, this is not cool. And we need to I need to put a put a stop to that. So what's he do to put a stop to it? Right. He uh, he banishes Osiris. Yeah. He flat out kicks him right out of the tower in the city. Uh, and at this point, uh, you know, Osiris must have already been, you know, he's basically forcefully retired from being the vanguard. Uh, and he gets the backing of the consensus. Uh, and he's like, you're you're out like you've you have damaged everything we've worked so hard to build, uh, you're gone. Uh, and it's interesting, too, because at this point, up until this point, again, the speaker and Osiris were very close, almost like a, a teacher-student mentality here, uh, which is also interesting because we know that the speaker has a similar relationship with Saint-14. But there's a possibility here that the speaker was grooming Osiris to become the next speaker. So the speaker had very, very high hopes for Osiris. So this must have been incredibly difficult for the two of them. Uh, and we know from the bond of the exile, you know, the quote here is, uh, you know, they entered the speaker's chambers, master and apprentice, uh, but were bitter rivals when they left. I think it, 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 it shines a light on the fact that like Osiris probably knows a lot of what, the speaker knows and is more willing to talk about it and like you know and there's got to be a reason like oh he spent so much time with the speaker and now he's you know very much the opposite you know he is on the other side he is uh doing things from a different angle because he knows maybe the speaker's wrong yeah there's a, a, a cool quote from brother vance here too where he says uh talking about osiris uh, he is the one true speaker who knows that the traveler will traveler will never speak again. And uh, whether that is to be taken literally that the traveler is won't speak again or that the, the speaker as we know him is not speaking from the traveler, but just that, you know, Osiris is the voice for this, you know, for these people and the disciples. He is the one kind of speaking truth to all of them right now. So yeah, I mean, this is this is a huge sort of thing, and we know again, like unlike Toland, who was also exiled, uh, Osiris took a whole bunch of followers with him. Uh, there's a lot of people who believe that what Osiris thinks is the correct thing, and he inspired a lot of people. This must have been a really tough blow for the city too, because they probably lost a lot of guardians uh, who decided to follow Osiris instead. Yeah. And then, uh, of course, Brother Vance leaves us with a, a question here as well. He says, uh, you ask yourself, what would you do if the speaker was proven a charlatan? And so it's kind of putting it out there for us. And that's interesting. That's an interesting quote because there's also a quote from Sister Feora uh, that says, was he exiled? Did he leave willingly? Was the parting angry, peaceful? So the story we're told by the speaker is that Osiris was exiled, but there's a chance that Osiris went in there and learned something terrible about the speaker and decided that he had to leave. 
that he couldn't be a part of, you know, a system that was whatever based on a lie or something like that, and that the truth is much more important. So where we're told by sort of like the faction that is in power and above us that, oh, yeah, this guy was asking too many questions and got himself kicked out. Uh, there's a chance that Osiris was like, wow, there's this everything here is built on a lie and I can't be a part of it anymore uh, and decide to leave of his own free will. To finish off that that quote that you were talking about from the Cloak of Exile from Sister Feora, um, you know, you said, was he was the parting angry, peaceful? Is he dead, alive? And she answers in a word. Yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, if you read through that whole thing, you know, it, it's. If you answer every one of those, yes, <laughs> with yes, it's he was exiled, but left willingly, angrily, and peacefully. So I don't know how that one works, but uh, but alive. is he dead and alive? Well, yeah, we know that too. So, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of kind of cool how they did that. So I just want to point out that Sister Feora uh, is uh, the person who taught Deej how to be community manager. <laughs> Ouch. Oh man. Okay, talking in circles. Uh, yeah, we'll have to edit that part out. Otherwise, we might never get to talk to Deej about lore. Uh, all right. So let's uh, let's keep moving along here. Um, we we're uh, stretching this one out, but there's so much about Osiris. It's tough not to. Well, a lot of this next part is pretty murky. Uh, after he leaves, there's not a lot that we know after he leaves the tower. Uh, you know, we know that he sets up sort of a, a refuge on the Calora Spires on Mercury, uh, which we know is a Vex, not a, necessarily a Vex stronghold that we know, but we know that, you know, it is a basically a Vex planet at this point. They turn the whole thing into a machine. It's kind of controlled uh, by the Vex, yeah. Yeah. So Osiris disappears. Uh, we know that the speaker has hunted for him and looked for him. Uh, we know that once he is either seen or discovered to be on Mercury, we talked about this in the Titan episode, the speaker sends Saint-14 after right. Osiris. Yeah. Uh, and then we never hear from Saint-14 again for the most part. <laughs> so whether he went out there and joined Osiris or went out there and got killed by Osiris, we don't really know. Uh, and we know that Osiris is... There's theories out there uh, about, you know, his teachings, uh, what he was involved in. Uh, and we don't really know a lot of sort of his involvement. You know, like a, a good one is that Mare Imbrium, uh, where the the Guardians were just sort of just like massacred by the Hive. Uh, it doesn't seem like Osiris was involved at all in that. Uh, he was gone by then. Uh so he, there's a chance that he could have turned the tide, and there's a chance that he could have just been observing. We don't, don't really know. Uh, but he gets deep, deep into studying the Vex here. Uh, there's actually a really cool little tidbit from the uh, Grimoire card for the Timekeeper map, uh, where the quote on that card says, Another mysterious structure built by the Vex a millennia ago, or to come. The rogue warlock Osiris once theorized that this place and others like it were tuned to react with the presence of the darkness itself. So this is another link we have along with the the Shrines of Oryx mission uh, in our game where Osiris is connected to the darkness and the hive through his study of the Vex. 
Yeah, there's there's one quote from a from the, the binary dawn. It's the uh, the new shotgun you can get in the year two trials, and it says uh, it's a parable of the allspring, and it says one day you will see them both. And that kind of got me thinking, uh, just because we know the uh, you can kind of assume the that one of them will be Osiris, but then who's who's the other person that this parable is talking about? You know, could that be? you know, maybe Saint 14, if he's kind of joined with Osiris, you know, kind of definitely all speculation at this point, but. Well, so I like to think that Saint 14 joined up with him just because again, (laughs) um, I, I I like to think that at the end of that, that uh, message that Saint 14 got from the speaker, he's referring to, to the speaker as that old man, in which case he's kind of like almost, shrugging him off like oh that crazy old man you know but we we found out earlier that he does have this kind of like you said drop this kind of respect for Osiris because he refers to him as a pragmatic warlock and recommends him for the vanguard so you know he could possibly look up to Osiris a little bit or could have in the past before he before he left the tower and uh and so you know if 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 him being sent after Osiris in his mind was like, you know what? I was planning on going to find him anyway. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. it, it's, it's like, I'm going to go, um, you know, yeah, I've had enough of, of, of dad's voice in my head. I'm going to go, uh, think for myself a little bit. Um, you know, it, it definitely could be referring to, uh, to an Osiris St. 14, kind of of partner not partnership but you know what i mean like, That'd be like a, heck them of a fire team right there kind of working together oh yeah <laughs> yeah it'd be crazy do you, can you imagine if do you, do you get if you popped into trials and the the team opposite you was like osiris <laughs> uh saint 14 and who knows who else you'd only need them too but do, do you guys think that uh saint 14 is uh I wouldn't say like smart's too blunt, but like, do you think Saint Fourteen is a smart person, a smart guardian? Because it, uh, I feel like the less informed are a little bit more, you know, easy to manipulate, and it it could end up, it could end up being that like Osiris begins to like get inside his head too. Wasn't Saint also being kind of groomed for, uh? speaker or we assume that because of how close he and the speaker are no i i mean we talked when we talked about saint 14 it is very much sort of like saint 14 was like the right hand of the speaker uh in a lot of ways uh and i mean to to answer that question i don't i don't think saint 14 was that in the dark i think he was a really really loyal guardian i think he was a really devoted titan i think he believed what the speaker told him sort of unquestioningly uh but i know he was also really 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 close with osiris so you you know saint 14 was very much caught between two directly opposing viewpoints uh, and if he had been following the speaker for a really, really, really long time, you know, it's easy. It's easy to look at Osiris and go, "Man, why, why are you, you know, why are you rocking the boat so much?" You know, uh, and whether that's intelligent or not, 
that's just sort of what he knew. And it may have really taken a one-on-one between Osiris and Saint without the influence of the speaker for Osiris to tell to look at Saint and go, hey, this is what this this is the dark secret that I learned. Uh and you can choose to believe it or not, but I'm standing in front of you right now and telling you that it's true. Yeah, that's kind of like that's kind of how I see it happening. Like Saint kind of went there, maybe with the mindset of to try to talk some sense into Osiris and you tell him to kind of you know mellow down, cool it out, you're making ripples and then yeah, maybe Osiris told him what he he had learned and kind of dropped the the truth bomb on him and woke him up a bit. Yeah. And then kind of tag team on that a little bit as well too. I think how much the speaker pursued Osiris kind of makes it seem to me that he Osiris definitely has some dirt on him or something. I mean, if if he just kicked him out, you he wouldn't be sending ghost after ghost after ghost and then eventually Saint 14 trying to find him and track him down. If it, if someone's like you don't see anyone going after Zy- or Zylander, he's they kicked him out. He's gone. You know who cares what he's doing? <laughs> yeah. Now? yeah. But the fact that he's there, he's so eager to catch him and you know, you know too yeah, much. Exactly. Kind of to me, kind of paints the picture that Osiris knows something. So that brings us to the trials, right? Yeah. So we, we you over know. there. Yeah, Osiris is out there. He's he's studying the Vex. He's doing. He's pursuing all these same leads that he did when he was a guardian. Now he's sort of free to sort of do it however he wants. Uh, and then we catch up with him, not with him directly, but we were first introduced really in a semi-direct form with him through the trials of Osiris. And it, Brother Vance tells us the uh, the purpose of the trials is to uh, hone the right weapon for the right moment. Mm, sounds like they're planning it to use us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that, is it better to be used by the speaker or used by Osiris? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's better to be used by nobody. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> well, again, like gameplay-wise, now that, now that we're wielding the shard of Willbreaker and our masters of sword logic ourselves, then we can... Hey, guardians make their own fate. <laughs> it definitely seems like some of the uh, uh, texts we get with Osiris, and I, I believe he's talking with uh, Eris, and Eris is talking to Osiris in the report and says, "You know, it's it's up to the guardians now, like how they handle this power, like how they handle the situation. Is everything's in their hands, basically?" And so I think it kind of just shows that Osiris is kind of putting a lot of you know, maybe whether it's faith or hope, or maybe he's he already saw what's going to happen, so he knows he can trust us. But like, he's putting a lot of, you know, what's at stake in our hands right now. Yeah. So and we, yeah, and, uh, yeah. I think that's there's a the grimoire grimoire entry, uh, Road to King's Fall, mm-hmm. uh, which is Eris Morn reporting directly to Osiris. Uh, yeah. So. So that, I mean that's that's an interesting that's a whole other bit and that's awesome that it ties sort of all this stuff together. But so this yeah this brings us to sort of the purpose the whole purpose of the trials again the the right weapon for the right moment and that is very much done through very fierce competition. Uh, we know we know Shax is involved here, uh, you know and whatever deal he has with with the cult, uh, we're not really sure. 
other than he commentates for them and provides the arenas for them. But all of this is mm. is driving towards this greater goal of of sharpening a blade for the right moment for the most part. And it seems like the people who compete in the trials are that blade. Uh, there's a very interesting, there's a couple interesting quotes in here just about the nature of the trials. And I think one of the most interesting ones is uh, you'll learn more from your losses than your victories, but it's the victories that push the darkness back and open the repositories of Osiris to you. And this is one of those interesting quotes to me because we know that a guardian's ability to wield the light is what makes it so dangerous to the darkness. So the idea that there's the possibility that because the guardians, like the best performing guardians in trials, are wielding their light so strongly and so effectively that that Osiris or his disciples or the cult could be harnessing that and using that uh, to fight the darkness with, to push it back. Like we're radiating so much light through our fierce competition that sort of the excess can be used there uh, in a way to push your darkness back even before we're sort of groomed to be this this weapon against them. Yeah, and I've, I've seen posts where it kind of draws a, uh, kind of like a parallel to uh, like the hive sword logic, whereas where they kill and demand death to like feed their nature, to feed their worm. Uh, trials is kind of like almost the opposite of that, whereas our light is used to kind of push back the darkness. It's like kind of like the excess sacrifice to Osiris. So, the, I mean, the trials, I think the trials are super interesting to me, like outside of of our viewpoint as players. Uh, and I will never, ever stop watching trials highlight reels. They're like my favorite part of Monday and Tuesday afternoons, uh, other than the weekly reset is seeing all the the... <laughs> the montages of people like performing insane 360 no scopes <laughs> in trials of osiris uh but it, it's very it's you know it's a it's an event that takes place that we look at oh here here's crazy pvp for us but it's really like heavily lore driven like the, the trials are very important to the the story that's coming yeah i definitely think it's going to be or at least i'm hoping that it's they're able to use, you know, this PVP mode and you kind of use that to drive like a lot of future lore and future story. And I think that it takes us to an interesting place with the future uh, of Osiris uh, and like what the whole Taken King story means for us, you know, and we've talked about this prior. We know that the queen and Eris and Osiris were all meeting together. Uh, we know that they had a plan. Well, there's a. I I, I found the card I was talking about earlier. Oh, um, it's Queen's Ransom, and it's it's right after they capture Skullus again, and it's from Varix's point of view, and uh, they keep talking about how Skullus keeps talking over and over again. He keeps saying. Kel of Kells over and over and then he also says um, Varix translates for them. Uh, he hisses under his breath. He makes no sense, my queen. He speaks of light snuffer dark binder. And then uh, a little bit further down the card uh, at the very end it says the Teshwans, uh, Tecunes, Tecunes gather at the door 
As the queen approaches it, Prince Aldrin holds it open with a small bow, and the queen touches his shoulder as he passes. Send a crow to Mercury, and another to our new friend in the tower. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> That's a good one. That is excellent. I also like uh, kind of in the middle there when after Derek uh, translates to like Light Snuff or Dark Binder, she kind of, the queen just kind of says, you know, I see. And Varric like, starts to say, like, he will say no more, like, kind of trying to explain it. And she, she responds, like, he doesn't need to. And then she turns, that's when she turns away. It's like, she kind of knows, like, you could get this feeling that she knew what he was talking about, even if Varric or her brother didn't know what Skolas may have been talking about. Yeah, she had an, an understanding of what was to come. Yeah, that's, that's an excellent card. And then it's interesting because, and this is where one of my sort of random theories came out. Uh, there's a card that describes a meeting between the queen and Eris and uh, Osiris, where Eris can't even look at Osiris because uh, his light burns so fiercely and so strong that it, it threatens to blind her if she looks directly at him. Uh and all that ever reminds me of is a warlock in Radiance. Uh, and I would imagine that somebody at Osiris's sort of power level, you know, would, would just be in Radiance constantly. Just sort of like strolling around with those flaming wings out of his back and his whole body on fire, pacing back and forth, trying to figure out what to do. Just mayhem mode. Mayhem <laughs> Osiris. Nonstop super. Yeah, I get I, I mean, I can see it, like, her, because she's part hive yeah. at that point, she can't look at him because it just burns that much. So there's also a great quote by Vance where he says, Oryx, the same, do you know it? They want this Oryx here out of the darkness. Uh, so it very much seems like the whole goal here was to... And this, this, this makes the Crota story a little bit deeper. You know, by killing Crota, you know, we're very much drawing Oryx here, but drawing Oryx here was the plan all along. Mm -hmm. uh, knowing that if they can get Oryx out of the deep and out of, like, the real darkness of beyond our system and into our system where the Traveler still exists and the Reef is there and the Awoken are present and our Guardian is there, it's like luring Oryx into a trap almost. Uh, knowing that once he enters our system and our guardian's able to get aboard the dreadnought that we can use the light to really like punch a hole in this guy uh beyond that <laughs> uh who who knows who knows what the ultimate goal here is yeah i think it's kind of you know you could kind of tie in what vance said about the nine where he says uh you know, every time they touch, they come into our world, like they're vulnerable. And I, maybe it's the same thing with Oryx, you know, whatever. They knew if they could get him into kind of our realm, our area, that we had a chance of you know, taking him down. So, and it's also... Yeah, that... Go ahead. That, that card you were talking about earlier is Ghost Fragment, the Queen 2, where uh, it describes the interaction between... Uh, Eris and uh, Osiris. Yeah, I think that's the one. It's also interesting because I wonder what 
you know, it seems like the lighthouse plays more of a role in this story uh, than than what it is. Like, it's the destination, obviously, for those who, who go flawless in trials, who have proven themselves the best. Uh, but there's a lot of, like, little weird hints and things hidden in the lighthouse itself that sort of allude to uh, a much larger story going on. You know, there's there's a ship that's inside the lighthouse. Uh, there's a lot of, obviously, there's a lot of Vex-looking tech there. Uh, but there's also these, like, again, like, amazing Egyptian references, like, all over the place. You know, the... Well, the you can ju- find, the, like, a kind of, like, a secret room that is kind of thought to be Osiris's living quarters, and there's, like, the, the, a Vex head, uh, like, Vex arms, and, like, kind of, like, yeah. dismantled all over the place. Like, he's definitely messing with messing with things. Yeah, there's a, isn't there, there's got giant... Vex gate down there too. So I I would, I mean I've unfortunately and I have never been to the lighthouse, uh, <laughs> but man, what I wouldn't give to just be able to run around and explore that place. I'm so thankful to the the people who are both fantastic at PvP and who are also so willing to share their experiences with going there, because uh, it just provides. <laughs> you know, people like me with a wealth of information about sort of the, the backgrounds of a lot of these characters. And I, I think the lighthouse is a fantastic, fantastic area. I'm so glad they added it. Uh, and maybe you Xbox or PS4 Xbox. Ah, go hook you up with someone. <laughs> I, I know. I know a few guys that can get you there. I got, I got to six this week. I got to six. It's a new, it's a new <laughs> record for me. Uh, but it's awesome. Like that is, what a, a fantastic addition. Uh, it's also weird because there's a pile of bones, I believe, in the lighthouse as well in that same room. That is correct. So whether whether this means that Osiris is able to shed his mortal form and become something else, or if they were already there when he <laughs> got there, who knows? <laughs> uh, he seems like a man of action, though, not somebody who would just sit around you know, and wait for things to happen to him. Yeah, if anyone was able to uh, kind of take on a an, a superior life form or like kind of get rid of their earthly bones, I'm sure Osiris could figure it out. All right, and that I mean that takes us up to right where we are right now, uh, competing in the trials of Osiris. <laughs> any other uh, any other comments or thoughts thoughts on Osiris before we wrap it up? Uh, I mean, there's a uh, there's a quote from Brother Vance that says, uh, do what the queen asks. This is all part of the pattern. And prior to our our little Praetith mission, that didn't seem to stand out. But now it's that's crazy. Like when you collect the ghosts in the vault of glass uh, left behind by Praetith, where he says all the Vex know is the pattern. Man, that is, you know, whether the, the queen and Osiris have discerned what the ultimate outcome of all this is by studying the Vex pattern or not. We don't really know, but it would certainly provide a, a hell of a template for what's going on. If yeah. that's the case. And there's, there's one quote from the, uh, the blind sight boots that I think uh, we were kind of talking about the difference between Osiris and Toland. And I think this kind of hits it right on the head there. It's, it says uh, the courage to walk into the darkness 
but the strength to return to the light. And I think that's where Tolan kind of lacked the the strength or the desire to come back to the light, where I think that's where Osiris is stronger in that sense, where he's not afraid to go into the darkness to learn what he needs to learn, but he's still, he's still strong enough to come back to the light and fight for what's the right side. I guess. Yeah. I mean, this is what a, what a great, I mean, episode as far as, is delving into the, to the world of Osiris. Cause there's, there's so much that we know and don't know. And I guess we're going to find out um, if he's still a big piece of the puzzle. You know, we can only imagine that he's going to continue to play a big or bigger role uh, in the future. So uh, maybe one day we'll we'll get to meet him or, or see him in action because that would be pretty amazing. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know. I I can't. I it's a per, I mean, we're obviously at the end. We're kind of to where we're at now with Osiris. Uh, so. So let's go ahead and wrap things up. I got to apologize. I mean, me and Handsome are both uh, both fighting being <laughs> sick, and I, I feel, you know, I've been I've been muting my mic on and off because I've been been coughing and, and blowing my nose and everything else. Uh, but uh, but but we, you know, the show must go on, so to speak, and, and had a good time. Um, Swain, thanks so much for coming on. Uh, you wanna wanna give another little bit of your information out there let us know how we can find you and and what what you're working on ah no problem um yeah we if you're interested in getting better at the crucible uh enough so that you yourself can go visit the lighthouse (laughs) and check out all these awesome things uh you can check out our podcast it's just crucible radio uh we're on twitter crucible radio um my personal twitter is a Swainstash underscore CR. Um, and I'm also on Twitch if you want to see me play some uh, video games. It's just Swainstash. And can uh, can they find some more information about your show on uh, Planet Destiny? Is that right? Yeah, yeah. If you are the type to watch uh, podcasts on the YouTube, uh, you can check us out, planetdestiny.com slash crucible radio. Uh, one of my co-hosts, Bones, he does a lot of uh, uh, weapon guides and stuff for Planet Destiny as well. So he there's lots of articles linked on our, our page as well. Awesome, awesome. So, uh, so yeah, um, I can't... Uh... <laughs> well, I'll, Sorry, I'll, leave, I'll but... leave us on, on this last quote here. I thought <laughs> yeah, it was no, kind of dragging... I got I to drag it on a little bit longer, but no, it's... Uh, we talked about Vance, and he referred to how being blind... And he has a quote where it just says, it's hard to be your eyes out here, master. I thought that was just kind of funny. Calling himself, he's blind and it's hard to be your eyes. I don't know. We we can end the show now. (laughs) (laughs) I was trying to, but you interrupted me and I got got distracted again. It wasn't as bad as the the rotating hearts in last week's episode, but uh, I saw a little message. I saw a little message pop up uh, that you were trying to get my attention. So, um, Osiris, awesome. Can't get enough. Can't yeah. wait for more. Um, well, I mean, Swain like, Stash. Th- oh, go ahead. So, like, Again. I mean, we've mentioned in every episode up to this point that Osiris has had his hands in almost everything. So, we, we covered a lot, uh, but there's a lot more to Osiris than just this. So, we'll, we, we may end up having to do an Osiris 2. He's a huge player in the in the Destiny world. So, 
So yeah, um, it's it's tough to do them justice. And again, I guess we're probably pushing two hours on this. So uh, so thanks for sticking with us. Anybody that joined us from Crucible Radio, thank you so much for tuning in to to hear your your uh, your guy with us hanging out talking the the lore. Um, again, if you need to find us, we're on Twitter at D Ghost Stories, and we are also uh, we also have a, uh, a Facebook page now. Again, uh, D Ghost Stories there. Um, you can email us at destinyghoststories at gmail.com. That's all I got, guys. Again, thanks. Great show. Maybe we'll be uh, get some feel a little better by the next one, and we can. Uh, we can make it a little more exciting, but uh, I feel like I, I feel bad because, I, like I said, I feel like I'm just dragging, and I spent uh, I spent half my day uh, sick and half my day out in the woods um, doing doing man stuff, uh, not just man stuff, but but uh, yeah, I, I posted this picture of me and my my hunting gear and everything. I looked pretty pretty rough, pretty but um, and I felt pretty rough, but. Uh, <laughs> But yeah, so next time I'll try to make sure and, and rest up before the show and, and hopefully I'll feel better and Hanson will feel better and we'll get some more people on here. Um, again, Swain, thank you so much. It's been uh, been thanks, great. Guys. You've added a ton of, of awesome information. Um, and, and again, it's, it's, we're trying to, we're, this, we know we're not going to get everything right. And there's so much speculation that happens here. It's tough to speak in, um, in absolutes and and it's and so you know we try to avoid that and if you hear us mention something that that you don't agree with or that you uh you think we could have have stated differently or um or we're just flat out wrong let us know we will we will give you credit and and make some corrections on a on a future show if we if we can and uh and again it's it's a tricky it's a tricky subject this this lore and we've i found out recently watching some uh videos and listening to some other people talk about lore that it's a it's really tough to uh to do some of this stuff on your own if you if you try to tackle the lore alone you can get tunnel vision and even in small groups like this once we kind of get all on the same page we're like ooh, this has to be the way this is going to go you know it it there's other ways of thinking about this stuff and and if again if we get that tunnel vision so to speak it's tough to change your mind or tough to tough to not think about it in other ways so we need we need your help we need the the listeners to to help us uh again have have a a broader perspective on the big picture it helps out a ton so uh reach out to us let us know what you think um we're on twitter and podbean obviously and uh and hopefully going to be on the uh, the Android app soon, so uh, they're getting some some podcast functionality. So look for us there. Um, leave us some reviews, like us, whatever you guys can do. It helps us get uh, get heard and seen by by more potential listeners. So thanks so much, guys. Thanks, and we will see you next time. Yeah, have a good thanks day. so much. Adios.